0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sketch to Success, the podcast about monetizing your creativity through design. My name is Claire, and I'm a graphic designer from Vancouver, BC. Just before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to address um, why I haven't been very consistent with my um, uploads. And there's two things that have been holding me back. The first being that I've been really struggling getting my ideas organized well enough to put together a whole episode. Um, I've started scripting my podcast because when I did bullet points, I found that I would forget details all the time and I was very repetitive and rambly. And so I thought if I would script these podcasts that um, I would have an easier time recording But let me tell you, scripting takes so long. It is so, so time consuming. Um, And you know, I'll write for hours and then when I record the the episode, it's like 16 minutes long, which is a little, little discouraging because for the most part, you guys said you like them to be above 30 minutes and closer to an hour, which I like my podcast to be about that long as well. Not mine as in the ones that I record, but the ones that I listen to. And the second thing that's been really holding me back is um, about two years ago, I was in a car accident and I got a concussion from it. And since then, I've always got stuck on my words and I stutter. Um, And it's just, it drives me insane because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And when this happens, I want to just delete the whole episode and start again because I'm really lazy and I want to try to record my episodes just through my phone and upload them. I really don't want to do a lot of post production editing, because um, this was not supposed to be a time consuming thing. You know, I didn't do YouTube because I didn't really have the time or the bandwidth for it. So I thought podcasting would be the best way to get my, you know, experience and knowledge across. In the easiest and fastest way, and has turned to be a very long process for me. So, those are the two things that have been really holding me back, and I'm trying to overcome them. So, bear with me um, on today's episode, and hopefully, in future episodes, I kind of get my stuff together. Anyways, in today's episode, we'll be talking about our emotions and why it's important to have a healthy detachment from our work. Uh, This is something I see so many people struggle with, whether they're new to the industry or if they've worked in it for a decade. Um, I also want to cover how to help a client um, detach their emotions from your work and their business. Um, I know sometimes this can seem impossible, but when people come to me for advice, this is generally the roadblock that stands in their way. Finally, um, I want to teach you guys some ways to decompress after a hard job and how to let go of these struggles and move on to the next project. So hopefully that this information will help you guys a little bit and you can take away at least one thing from today's episode. So whether you like to admit it or not, you're attached to your work. In many ways, this is super good. You know you should be proud of the hard work and effort you put into whatever you create. And if you're not proud of what you're creating, then you're doing something wrong. But there's a huge difference between being proud of your work and then being emotionally attached to your work. This is a very fine line, but very important to know the difference. So you may be asking, why is it wrong to be emotional about your work? Well... I don't think it's necessarily wrong, there are definitely times you should allow your emotions to connect with a project, but generally speaking, when you're emotional about your work, this is going to hold up the process and sometimes make for a failed project. You want your work to go as smooth as possible, you know, as few bumps in the road as you can, and being emotional will hinder this process and your client's experience. And like I mentioned in my last podcast about uh, setting up client boundaries, your client remembers the experience over the work that they receive. You know, you could have designed a perfect logo for them, but if it was a horrible experience for your client to get to that point, they're going to leave very unhappy and this will affect your referral rate. So why do we get emotionally attached to our work? We get emotionally attached to our work um, because as a creative, our work comes from our heart, our soul, and our priceless creativity. We are, or should be, proud of what we do. And it's very easy to get attached to our work because of this. You know, it's not easy to come up with original ideas all the time. And when you hit the nail on the head and get the perfect design from your imagination into a tangible form, it's very easy to get attached to it. You know, this happens to me all the time. Now, how to tell if you've gotten attached to your work is honestly quite simple. When someone is critiquing your work, you know, whether it be a teacher, a client, a family member, a friend, and, you know, you start to get upset and you start arguing to make your point, you know, you can see you're already getting attached to your work, and this is going to hurt you. Also, be mindful if um, you find yourself being kind of stubborn when it comes to revisions, or if you're really stuck on a certain direction or design that you've done. Um, these are all signs that you've gotten a little too attached. You should not find yourself uh, getting angry or sad or offended when someone comes and critiques your work. Criticism is unavoidable and is part of life. Um, you know, it's unavoidable in our personal lives and it's definitely unavoidable in our design lives too. If you want to make money as a designer, this is a process you're going to have to go through, so you need to make it easy on yourself. Like I always say, design is about solving a problem. There should always be a reason and rationale behind your design. But like many problems, there are many different solutions, and you need to remain open to that. Um, You may have designed a great solution, but critiques help us see how others would solve the same problem. There will be times where you've designed the best solution possible, and sometimes someone else has designed the better solution. And then there are some times where you're, you know, in a critique with a bunch of people, and, you know, you build up on all of these ideas together and combine them, and that's where you'll get the best possible solution. But the only way you can get to that point is to be open to other possibilities. I find the outside perspectives are always the best. You know, if you think about it, when you're going through a hard time in your personal life, you generally seek out guidance and advice from family and friends. People that are not in the situation, an outside perspective. Generally, this is the best advice because the person on the outside can see the picture as a whole and they can see it clearly and they're not attached to the situation, if that makes sense. Um, so this goes for design as well. Uh, at my first design job, I was creating some icons for a mobile sports app. You know, I thought they were super cute, and I was very proud of my work. But when it came time to show my team, I took um, they took a look and and pointed out that the arena icon that I had made looked like a pair of men's boxers. I was honestly so embarrassed because like, how could I have not seen that? Um, And then once I saw it, that is all I could see. Um, But I had no clue that that's how it came across because, you know, I was invested into it. I was emotional. I was attached where somebody who just walks in and takes a first glance, you know, they didn't put any effort. They didn't put any thought into it. They're not attached and invested in the Into the project, and so their vision and their view is honestly almost better than my vision and view, even though I have, you know, I have my rationale behind things, I have the project brief and outline. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean I know what's best, if that makes sense. Something I don't think a lot of designers understand, especially when they're starting out, is that just because someone says they don't like your work doesn't mean it's bad. Um, it just means that they're not a fan of that particular design. People have s- s- like different tastes and different styles, and you know that's what makes us so unique. But if someone says they don't like what you've made, please do not take it personally. I know it's hard when someone comes in um, and says they don't like your work after you've spent so much effort on it. I've literally had clients say, "Ew." this is so ugly. I absolutely hate this. And then they take their marker and put a big red X on it. I'm not even exaggerating to you. And, you know, it kind of, you know, hits my heart a little bit. It does hurt, you know, but you need to realize you are so much more than just your work and your creativity. You know, they're not saying this about you as a person. They're just saying this about the work. And, you know, since they have different tastes and different styles It doesn't mean that it's even a bad design, it just means they're not a fan, you know, it's like clothing, you know, somebody could be wearing a great outfit, but it just may not be your style. That doesn't mean it's a bad outfit or that it's ugly. You may think that, but, you know, other people may love it and think it's absolutely beautiful. Same thing with design, so just make sure you remember that. And this also ties back in with how design is about solving problems. You need to remember that there's going to be multiple solutions. So between that and then having so many different avenues to explore and the fact that people have different styles and opinions, you're never going to please everyone. Like that is literally impossible. So just don't take these comments to heart. Um, And that's something that will really help you become detached from your work if you think of it in that mindset. So I try to avoid this whole situation by not only taking on clients that fit my style, but also fit with me personality-wise too. Um, I know it's exciting and it can be very tempting to take on every project that you can, but you're only doing your client and yourself a disservice by doing this. You know, they're not going to like your work if they don't fit your style or you're not going to get anywhere if you can't collaborate and work together because your personalities just clash. And this is only going to lead to negative comments about your work that you've already invested so much time into. So just for your own emotional well-being, um, you know, try to only work with people that fit your style as well. You know, somebody you can connect with personality-wise as well. I know how hard it is when a client doesn't like what you've created. It's almost heartbreaking when someone says they don't want what you've worked so hard on. This has happened to me countless times. The first time this happened to me was really hard. I was designing for um, an eyelash technician and we had discussed what her goals were for her brand. She said even though she was only a lash tack right now, she had plans to expand into like high-end skincare products. So my goal was to create a logo that would work well for what she was doing now in the short term, but also um, would be applicable in the long term. So I worked on this beautiful hand-drawn logo for her. Um, to this day, it's still one of my favorite pieces I've ever done, and she didn't want it. <laughs> I honestly couldn't even understand how she didn't want it, but it like it was just so gorgeous. It was perfect, um, but then over a year later, something happened. I was talking to a friend about this, and I can't even remember um, you know how it came up. Um, but I had mentioned the situation about you know how beautiful this logo was and that she didn't like it, and it was frustrating. Um, I showed her the design, and she was blown away. The next day this friend of mine texted me and she was saying how bad she wanted that logo and she couldn't get it out of her head and that was a light bulb moment for me as a designer you own everything you create until it's paid in full by the client because once that's paid in full that's when the ownership is transferred so who says this all has to go to waste just because it didn't work for a client you know I, I save all of my drafts and all my previous work, and then one day I'm able to reuse it um, for something else. So by doing this, it has really allowed me to detach myself emotionally from my work because I know it's not going to go to waste. Um, a quick side note about doing this, though, I just want to say that wait for the right fit. Um, you know, I've held on to logos for literally two to three years sometimes, and um, So there's no rush. Um, I like to think about how much I love what I created and I want it to go as far as possible. So waiting for the right person is the best option. Um, Please do not just keep tossing your other rejected designs. And by rejected designs, I don't mean that they were bad. Just saying though, don't keep tossing these rejects to every client that you can. Um, You know... Just because you want to A, get rid of it, B, do less work, um, C, you think it, it would work for whatever they're doing, you know, just wait until the perfect moment because like I said, personally, I want my work to go the furthest. So in order to do that, I need to, um, I need to wait for the right client, if that makes sense. Being emotionally attached to your own work isn't always the whole problem. More often than not, I'm trying to help a client through this process and helping them become detached as well. There are two ways a client can be emotionally attached to a project, and the first and most common being that they are emotionally attached to their own business. I find clients have a very hard time with this because it's their livelihood. They've invested years of consistent effort, invested so much of their own money, and it's become their pride and joy. This is their life. It becomes basically their baby. Um, As an entrepreneur myself, I I love seeing people who are passionately invested in what they do. But this can become a problem when they see their business and their company and their brand very differently than how their clients or customers see the company or brand. So let me give you an example. I was branding a bikini company that was expanding into apparel and accessories and eventually down the road some lingerie and loungewear. The brand is all about positivity and girl power and body positivity and they've built a very large international loyal client base. The founder and CEO was very smart when setting up this company She knew where she wanted to take the brand before it even started, and she named her company accordingly, um, which was very insightful of her. We met and discussed where she sees her brand going in the next six months, the next year, and the next five years. Um, I did this because when branding a client, I want to make sure that what they get stays relevant for years to come. For example, Nike's logo is fantastic. It's been around for decades, and it's still relevant to this day. So as a designer, you want to do the same. Um, I looked at her target audience, which was obviously women only, and the age range was on the younger side. Generally, I think it was like 15 to 25, um, That and they did go up t- um, in range as well, but just not so much. Um, so remembering that and her brand's values of girl power and then where she wanted to take... Her um, company down the road, I created a very feminine and soft logo. Uh, This logo would would do well being printed on a range of fabrics and styles, you know, bikinis, workout clothes, lingerie in the future, etc. My client, the CEO, um, was not as fond of this direction as I was though. She's a bit more of a tomboy. She likes to ride motorcycles. She's very into cars and sports. She likes very sharp-looking designs, and, you know, she was actually kind of um, wanting to go on a more, like, lightning bolt direction. Um, we did have some back and forth on this, but she knew that, um, that it wouldn't speak to her target audience. She said that she knows what she likes isn't necessarily what would be good for her brand and what wouldn't be good for um, the clients that she was having. And after a lot of conversation and, you know, trying a couple different directions and revisions, we settled on the original design because we knew that it would be best for them. Um, If you have a client that gets stuck on something like this, um, you know, that doesn't work for their audience, you'll need to walk them through and help them realize um, that what they need isn't always what they want. Um, I find most people are more likely to respond better to facts than opinions, so explain to them that um, that the view, the way that they view their company, is different from the way that their customers or clients will view the company. So you want to explain to them um, that your work, your goal is to have your work with the highest possible ROI as as you can, um, because you want this project to be a success. And so this can take a little bit more time to get there, but eventually you'll do it. I got very lucky that the client I was working with um, was able to see this on her own. And when she said this to me, I was just honestly blown away. And I told her that and I said, you know, I go through this more often than not when it comes to branding with clients. And I am so happy that you were able to understand that before I had to sit you down and explain it to you. Another area that clients can get emotionally attached is to something that they can't have. And the first way that this can happen is that they want something that's already been done, which means it's something that they can't have. I like to use this boyfriend analogy that I made up But it helps them quickly realize the situation and, you know, see it very black and white. So you see this cute guy across the street and you're head over heels for him. And you quickly realize that he's with his girlfriend and so you now know he's not available. You can have any other blonde guy, you know, that will look very similar to him. There's so many blonde guys out there, but you just can't have that one. So, you know, you can get a similar one, but not that one in particular. So, same thing goes with logos or any sort of design. You can have something similar, but you can't have somebody else's design, you know, if that makes sense. I mostly see this happen with auto-themed logos. I don't know what it is, but for instance, like dealerships or maintenance shops, they all have very similar logos. Um... Or, like, a lot of lash techs, they all want, like, the nice little eyelash design with, you know, nice little brush script typeface. Um, But I like to explain to my clients that, like, one, that's illegal. I can't rip off somebody else's design and I'm not comfortable with it. And, two, I like to explain to my client, like, why do you want to blend in? Don't you want to stand out? Um, You know, standing out is what's going to set you apart and hopefully you know get you to success faster than everyone who looks the same so generally between that poorly done analogy that I just you know told you guys about this boyfriend thing um and those two points about not like not wanting to rip off someone's design because it's illegal and the fact that they just want to stand out because it's better anyway um that's how I kind of get my clients to be more open and flexible to different ideas and avenues to explore I also have clients get very stuck on a request that they can't seem to let go of. Uh, Generally, these requests are just very ugly and honestly detrimental to the project. I had a client um, ask for a full grid behind their logo. It was absolutely awful and for so many reasons. Like, you know, I was like, where does the logo end? Is it just going to be an infinite grid or are we going to like cut it off into this like awkward block type thing? Um, Not to mention that it made the logo like illegible. You couldn't even read it or see what it was. It was just way too busy and hard on the eyes. Um, This can be a little tricky to get out of sometimes because there will be times where You know, you've created what they're asking for to show them how it's not going to work and they end up loving it because they have poor taste. Um, This is where you're going to have a hard time getting out of it. Personally, I will just refuse to give them what they're asking for if it's that bad. Um, They often argue that they're paying for it so they should have what they want, um, which in a way is a fair point in some regards. But I explain to them why I won't do it. It's... Not going to be effective for them at all, and all this money spent is going to be pointless for them. And personally, I'm not comfortable putting out bad work into the world. No matter what, my name is going to be attached to this project, and I don't want it to hinder my reputation or my career. And again, back to the client, I want my work to have the highest ROI possible for them. And if I give them something ugly, it's just not going to work. So whatever they've spent on this is just money down the drain. Um, now if a client decides to cancel the project, whether they do it formally by sending you an email saying, we don't want to finish this, or we, we don't want to continue with you, or, you know, sometimes they just kind of end up ghosting you. Um, I suggest you, you kind of keep an eye on their business. People can be kind of sneaky and they will take your idea to someone else and get created what you wouldn't do. Remember that if they didn't pay you in full, they do not own the logo and therefore they cannot have the idea regardless. So if they take an idea and change it a bit, um, it's still illegal and that them as well as whoever made it um, are going to be in trouble because it's, like I said, it's illegal. And the last way a client can get emotionally attached to a poor design is because you showed it to them. I was branding a counseling practice, and I developed six logo directions for them. Um, It was owned by a young female, and of course, uh, she was drawn to the soft feminine logos. I realized in that moment, I made a mistake by including the work I didn't even want her to choose. Um, Eventually, we came to an agreement, and honestly, she couldn't be happier with her branding now. But, you know, I guess subconsciously, I wanted to include that, I guess, in a way to make the the right logo choice stand out more. But that was only obvious to me. Like I knew right away which one was the best choice for her. And I thought if I included these, you know, not ugly logos, but just not, you know, um the right fit for her. I thought if I included those that she would clearly see how great this one direction was. But she's not a designer, which is why I was, you know, doing this project for her and um you know, that was a good learning opportunity for me. Um, I don't want to do all this tedious hard work of helping somebody emotionally attach from a bad design that I showed them. Like I should just, you know, remove that whole situation altogether. So that's another thing to remember, Um, to just save yourself the hassle of trying to talk down a client is just don't show them what you don't want them to have. I know it seems kind of obvious, but you'd be surprised You know, sometimes you'll just toss in those logos or toss in those design options. You never know. So now that you've been through this really rough process, uh, how can you recover? Honestly, this is kind of up to you because everyone recharges themselves in a different way. But I'll show you how I like to kind of recover from a hard project. So the first thing I do is I take a break. I know this seems kind of obvious, but... Um, it's impossible to have your brain turned on all the time. You cannot be creative twenty four seven. No one can. I mean, you know, you see all these YouTubers post videos saying, "I had to take a break." You know, it's so much pressure, trying to be on for the camera twenty four seven. You know, you can see it not just as like a design creative, but like any kind of content creator. Um, personally, my best ideas also come when I take a step away. Um, It is so important to take the pressure off of yourself and allow your brain to just focus on something fun and light. So I like to completely step away from all things creative for a good few hours. Um, You know, sometimes you may take a whole day to recharge. Sometimes you need a week to recharge. Um, I make my living (laughs) through design, so there's no way I can take like ever more than a day off. And you should give yourself a day off minimum once a week. But, you know, if I know I have work to do the next day and I know I have a hard day ahead of myself, um, you know, I will give myself that couple hours a night, you know, watching a funny TV show, having a bubble bath, going out for a walk. There's a lot of things that you can do, um, that will be really helpful to recover from an emotionally taxing job, um, I also um, find it helpful to talk to fellow designers after I've worked with an emotionally hard client. Um, you know it's nice to talk to someone who gets you, someone who understands wh- why you did, what you did. Um, humans love validation, and you know you're not an exception to that. Uh, I'm not an exception to that either. Uh, Give yourself a bit of of a confidence boost um, by talking to someone who will agree with you. Um, When you've worked with an emotionally hard client or you've been emotionally attached to a project, you can feel very drained. Um, You know, you can feel empty, tired, and sometimes um, not too good about yourself. And, you know, you have to be careful when you're recharging yourself. You don't want to fall back um, into that loop of... You know, feeling down on yourself because you're going to become uninspired, unmotivated. And if you're a full-time designer, this can kind of put a dent in your career. Um, So, you know, be careful about who you talk to. You don't want to go start talking to the tough love kind of designer that you know. You want somebody who's supportive and who's going to boost your confidence. Uh, For example, I was creating a very large project um, for... client it was like a three-month project I was working on every day for three months and you know we had daily check-ins weekly check-ins like we had a lot of different meetings and right towards the end they decided that they wanted to change like a pretty big portion of the project and it was so ugly and they're very adamant on changing it And, um, you know, it was kind of stressing me out. It was, I was having a very hard time, you know, trying to get him to understand why I was doing what I was doing. And, you know, I had to constantly talk him into the right kind of designs because he has a different attachment to the project than I do. Um, and I was definitely getting somewhat attached to this project. I was very proud of it. I've invested a lot of my time and effort into it. And, so I sent the options, my version and my client's version, uh, to my design friend. And I didn't say anything. I just said, which option do you like better? And she's like, option one, obviously, because you're doing this and this is the best style for it. And you know, this makes it easy to read and all these things. And that was my design. So, you know, I was feeling unappreciated I was exhausted from trying to justify myself um to somebody who was very attached to a project and I was attached to the project too and after talking to my friend I had that validation was like yes I'm doing the right thing I did do the the best design choice um and I found that very helpful So the last thing I'd like to do is to do something creative that is purely for myself. Um, You know, if you're a graphic designer, obviously you have a creative streak um, or like a creative talent and being creative is an outlet for me and I'm sure it is for you as well. It's something that has been an outlet for me for as long as I can remember. I love to draw, I love to paint, I like to do something crafty. It doesn't even really matter what it is, it can even be something digital. Um, But as long as it has no restrictions, no revisions, and no standards, that is what lets it be an outlet. You know, don't just start doing a project that, um, you need to do for your business or, you know, like a side project that you're doing. Um, like I'm not going to sit down and do a podcast as a creative outlet because that's more work for me, even though there's no revisions for it. Um, I have a standard I want to uphold and, you know, I want to make sure my podcast is, um, you know, has some solid information for you guys, and it's actually useful and beneficial for you guys. So for me to, you know, sit down and do this as an outlet, it's not going to work. Um, I like to do stuff that like I can use to decorate my house. Um, you know, something I can give as a gift, something I could, you know, sell if I wanted to. I went through this huge watercolor painting extravaganza if you will last spring and I just bought a stack a bunch of watercolor paints and uh, I just went to town and started painting those and I just I was giving them away as gifts then people really liked them and wanted to buy them Um, and I was just having a lot of fun with them and I didn't you know take orders for what people wanted like if you liked it you can buy it but I'm not doing certain commissions for you so you know you know, give yourself a break, make sure that you build your confidence and get a bit of validation. And then I like to do something creative for myself because I like to do this because I like to remind myself that design is not stressful, that design is not always hard. Design is not always emotionally taxing. You know, I want to, you know, see it in a good way too. And not that I don't see working with these clients as, you know, good or beneficial because of course they are. Um, these, this is how I make my living and I'm extremely passionate about what I do. But when you get into a difficult project, you know, in a way you almost avoid it. There'll be times where you're like, Oh, I just don't want to sit down to another project. The last one was just so hard. It was so taxing. It was so consuming. So I like to do something to really just remind myself that being creative isn't always so hard. Being creative is fun. Being creative is, it can be easy. It doesn't have to be hard all the time. So that's why I like to, you know, do those little projects for myself. It's just a reminder as well. So I hope this podcast helped you guys out in some way. I hope that you were able to take from it and understand why you need to be detached from your work. Um... You know, like I said, when you get attached with emotion, you know, this is when in your personal lives, think about when you get emotionally attached to a situation, you're not going to think clearly, you're going to act in a different way, you're going to say things that you may not mean. Um, you know, when you're like angry or heated at something, you're going to, you know, blurt out something you don't like or or something that's kind of rude. Or if you're hurt, you're going to lash out um because, you know, you're trying to protect yourself. So it's very important that you kind of keep your emotions separated from your work and this is something I think every designer needs to do in order to honestly really be successful because You know, sooner or later, your reputation will catch up to you and that's the last thing you want is to be known as somebody who can't complete a project or argues with the client or, um, you know, doesn't want to do revisions. All those kinds of things add up, right? So just make sure that you have a healthy detachment from what you do and, you know, still be proud of what you do. You should, you should always be proud of what you're putting out, um, never rush an assignment or a project, um, never, you know, take shortcuts, or not cheat, but, you know, they're, like, you can cheat yourself in a way, so don't do that either, um, yeah, so I hope this helped you guys out, and feel free to, uh, send me any, uh, topics that you want me to cover, or if you have any questions regarding this podcast, I actually have a Facebook group called Design Power, and I'm gonna link it in the, um, um, The show notes down below. Um, This Facebook group is called Design Power. It's meant for graphic designers to share their work and get critiques on it, Um, maybe share clients if they're too busy or maybe it's not a good fit. You can share your clients through that. or you can ask for pricing help, um, you know, it's just all, all those kinds of things, so if you're interested in joining the group, I suggest that you click the link and fill out the questions, and then I can approve you, um, it's, I made it two years ago, and it hasn't really been very active since, because there's very few designers that I know that would be in the group, so I'm hoping to grow it so it actually becomes, like, a useful community for everybody, um, You can reach me through the Facebook group, or you can reach me through my personal Instagram, which is Marie underscore T, or through my design account, which is Wolf and Pine Creative. Um, So thanks all for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye!